absolutely amazing. Pastor Darrell shared a great message last week about living beyond where we are and becoming more and, and, and doing more and trusting God and realizing there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate us from the love of God. Not a thing. Not one thing. And in, in light of that, the Lord laid this message on my heart several, it's been several weeks now, and in the process I got a hold of a book called The Return of the Prodigal by Henry Nowian, which is uh, his journey, uh, spiritual journey and revelation of what God could mean to him. And uh, in the process of what we want to share this morning, I'm going to talk about the prodigal son some. But the Lord has really, really laid this idea of courage on my heart. And uh, how many of you realize that we live in a very unsafe world? It's just plain dangerous out there. Everywhere you go, at any moment, something awful could happen. But I think it's God's love and protection that keeps us as Christians safe from so many things. There's so many things that we don't experience. And yet the world in itself is like, like Paul says, the world is groaning. The earth is groaning and just waiting for God to, to release it and to set it free from the sin and the destruction and the, the horrible things that are going on. But God. God has a plan. God has a plan, and I'm thankful that we can be part of it. I've entitled this message, if you want to write this across the top of your sermon notes, Dad's Waiting. Dad's Waiting. In Joshua chapter 1, God is speaking to Joshua, and Joshua is about to transition into a position of power and leadership like he's never experienced. And God says to him, and repeats it three times, a little phrase, beginning in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And now turn to Luke chapter 15. This is the parable of the lost son. We start in verse 11. Let me kind of set the stage here a little bit for you. Courage. What does that mean? What does the word courage really mean? Webster defines it as moral strength, perseverance, the ability to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Courage is something that Every one of us desperately needs in our lives. You cannot be a Christian and not be courageous. It's not possible. Because courage is something that comes to you when, when the Spirit of God takes over in your life. I begin, as I thought about this and prayed and studied and so on, I realized that, you know, it doesn't take any courage whatsoever to be a sinner. You don't need any courage to do that. 
In fact, it's, it's, it's utter cowardice. To, to ignore God is cowardice. To come into the presence of God and accept what he has done for you on the cross, what Christ has done for you, is an act of tremendous courage. You realize that today there are countries around the world where if you name the name of Christ, you could be arrested, jailed, and probably killed for naming the name of Christ. There are people in India today who have been ostracized from their families because they've accepted Christ. There are people in the Sudan that have died. There are Well, the persecuted church, we heard about that just a couple of weeks ago. That's happening here today in our world. It's not, oh yeah, I read that Fox's Book of Martyrs. Yeah, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? No, hello, wake up. It's happening right this second. And so it takes tremendous courage. God help us here in America, where we still seem to have some religious freedoms, that we would take this challenge to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Stand up for who you are. Not who you were, but who you are and who God is making you. That ought to just burn inside of us, each one of us. Just burn within us and realize how powerful we are. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You have the ability to resist Satan. Tell him to shut up and go to hell. You have permission to say that to Satan, not to anybody else, but to Satan. Yeah, don't be telling, you know, your neighbor, ah, oh, shut up and go. No, don't do that. But let's, let's put Satan in his place. He is the ultimate coward. He's a total coward. But not us. We're part of this amazing church. It's awesome. Now, I'm sure you're out there going, Pastor Fred, what does any of this have to do with the parable of the prodigal son? I'm glad you asked. Let's read it. Verse 11, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomachs with the pod, the stomach, his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, I want you to re- underline that, write it down, have it tattooed to your arm. Don't forget this phrase. When he came to his senses... This is going to become your new prayer for your unsaved loved ones. God, bring them to their senses. Bring them to their senses. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. This is the most amazing act of courage that a human being could ever exercise. To go to someone that you have offended, violated, failed, and ask forgiveness, 
That is the most courageous act a human being can experience. Think about that. So he got up. The next verse. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your words, your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Three things I want, to teach, I want to share with you this morning that the Lord laid on my heart, actually, actual revelation that came to me as I began to study this. And, I, and this book that I read by, uh, called The Return of the Prodigal. The first thing that I want you to write down is this. Courage is born out of forgiveness. It's forgiveness from God that brings us the ability to have courage to do anything at all. Because the beautiful thing about forgiveness is that it's an opportunity to get a do-over. God gives us this huge thing called a do-over. For the golfers, it's a mulligan. It's like a spiritual mulligan. God looks at us and says, that was a horrible shot. Go ahead, try again. Now, you know, you've lived a horrible life. Let's try again. Forgiveness wipes away what was and opens the door to what will be. It wipes it away. God says, I will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. I don't care what you did. I'm looking at what we are going to do together. Think about it. You see, the Holy Spirit's job is to bring us to conviction. Conviction is the journey to our senses. When we come to our senses, when we realize, I have messed up my life. I have made some bad mistakes. I am not doing things right. God, forgive me. Stop looking at yourself as the source of your being. How many of you are causing right now your heart to beat? You yourself are causing your heart to beat. You don't even realize it's beating. 
God took care of that so you wouldn't even have to think about it. Because most of us are so absent-minded we'd drop dead. Because we go, oh shoot, I forgot to get my heart start. <laughs> How many of you are, are conscious of your breathing? You're, I mean, you're sitting there going, in, out, in, out. If you are doing that, you need a life. Come be sure to talk to me later. We need to get you something else to do. We, we, God has designed our lives to function in such a way that we have time now to think and to learn and to become engrossed in his world that he has granted to us. And, and so human beings decide to ignore God. And they, they decide to make up other things. Evolution. Amazing to me. Evolution. Other ideologies and other religions of the world and other plans and other concepts. And all of them are, are absolutely worthless in regards to the truth. Because you see, courage is born out of forgiveness. And forgiveness will bring you to the truth about yourself and about God, and about what he can do for you, and through you, and in you, and what he'll do with your past, and what he will do with your future. Forgiveness is the birthplace of courage. Because anytime the enemy comes to you and says, and just begins to tempt you, or test you, or try you, or, or annoy you, just simply remind him, enemy, I resist you, because I'm forgiven and you're not. I've been forgiven and you're not. Shut up and go. Yeah, well, you know the phrase. <laughs> Forgiveness. It is such a powerful, powerful instrument in our lives. And I love 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I've just been cleansed, I have courage. Bring it on. I am clean before God. I am, I am filled with his spirit. I am ready to face any situation, any problem, any issue. Just bring it on. That's courage. That's courage. It's born out of forgiveness. The second thing about courage, courage is fueled by discipline. Yeah, Pastor Fred, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah, because it's, I've learned a new, con, I've learned a new understanding of this idea of discipline. My beautiful wife, Linda, few, honey, what, what's it been, a couple of months? No, this is good, don't shake your head. A few months ago, she, was, she, she had, was having a pain, not me, a different pain, and uh, guys are awful. And uh, she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, it looks like, it seems like gall, gallstones. And so uh, an MRI, or a, an ultrasound rather, determined that, yep, she was the proud owner of gallstones. Now, the option... The doctor's options are pretty much one, surgery. Just cut it out, get rid of it, you're done. 
Well, Linda decides to go online and begin to do a little bit of research regarding gallstones and so on and so forth. And she discovers that if she changes her diet, that she can, main, or that she can control this issue. And so, she informs me that she's gone through all this. She says, we are going to eat differently. <laughs> so I'm starting to waste away to nothing. <laughs> May take another 100 years, but I think it'll happen. So I've eaten more fish in my life than I think are fish in the sea. Um, chicken, you know, salads, vegetables. No butter, no fat, no red meat. I'm going to have to turn in my German heritage. <laughs> I mean, like, how do you eat? But she has been so disciplined with this. And I'll say, honey, go ahead, you can eat that. I think it'll be all right. No, 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 no. No, see, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the tempter in this, so I've got to be careful. <laughs> Because if she'll eat it, then I can eat it. So, you know, hallelujah. There's an ulterior motive here. But, uh, but God has just blessed her. And, you know, she's had, she has the option of surgery. She was given another a gallbladder cleanse, which if you... I think they use this in, at Guantanamo to... <laughs> in some of the... Instead of waterboarding, they do gallbladder cleanses on these guys. And, I mean... Who mixes Epsom salt and olive oil and drinks it? I mean, who does that? So that's the other option. She hasn't decided to take that option because I'm going to have to leave the house probably for a week if she does that. But, um, but discipline, discipline gives you the courage to do what's right. Discipline is what it takes to stay saved, to continue living this life according to the book. How many of you read the devotional this morning? What was it about? Courage. It's this Joshua. I was going to give money away to anybody that could tell me that, but might as well save my money. We're good. I encourage you to read those devotionals. They're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. But this idea of discipline, let me give you a picture of this by uh, Michael Johnson. He wrote a book called Slaying the Dragon. In 1996 Summer Olympics, a sprinter Michael Jackson set records in the 200 and 400 meter races. To do so, he had trained for 10 years to cut a second or two from his time. 10 years to cut two seconds. In Slaying the Dragon, he writes, success is found in much smaller portions than most people realize. A hundredth of a second here, sometimes a tenth of a second there, can determine the fastest man in the world. At times, we live our lives on a paper-thin edge that barely separates greatness from mediocrity and success from failure. Life is often compared to a marathon, but I think it is more like being a sprinter. There are long stretches of hard work, punctuated by brief moments in which we are given the opportunity to perform at our best. The Christian life resembles the life of a sprinter. Long stretches of obedience and spiritual disciplines punctuated by great tests in which God gives us the opportunity to choose his eternal best. That's what life is. You know, I've heard the illustration, yeah, life's like a marathon, you just got to keep hanging on. No. Life is about training every day so that when the, when the trial of life comes, 
When that tornado sweeps through your neighborhood, when that car accident happens and you weren't expecting it, when, that, when the doctor report is so negative and so frightening that you're not sure how to handle it, when that child goes wayward and you don't know what to do about it, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it's the discipline and the steadiness that raises the standard and God says, you're not going to be touched by this. And if you are, I will be with you. Just be strong and courageous. Stick with it. Take it one day at a time. Read that word of God every day. Ask God to be with you every day. Read that devotional every day. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay steady. And when, those, when, that, when that attack comes, and I can assure you it'll come. How many, how many of you have ever had an attack in your life of some sort? If you haven't, you, you must like be premature or something. I don't know what's going on here. but All of us have faced that. I've visited many of you in the hospital. I know that you've faced things like that. The death of a loved one, etc. And it's in that moment that courage has to rise up. It's in that moment that people are watching. How are they going to handle this? I've done enough funerals of saints of God that I knew had lived a steady, steadfast life. And when it was their graduation day, they graduated with honors. It was an awesome thing. As I read this book that I referred to, The Return of the Prodigal Son, there was a, a, an amazing revelation came as I was going through this book. I mean, it jumped out of that page and just attached itself into my spirit. And it literally has changed my thinking. Two things that God requires in the area of discipline. And it's very simple. Trust and gratitude. That's what God wants from you. He doesn't, he doesn't care if you pray 75 hours a week. I don't think he cares if you read the Bible 200 hours a week. God the Father wants you to trust him. Because when you trust him, he can do anything with you. When you don't trust him, you have tied his hands. Hey, parents, how many of you would probably fall off into a dead faint if your children, your teenagers came in and said, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know I've been kind of a jerk. And from now on, I'm going to trust you, and I am going to be thankful for everything you do for me. You would be immediately taken to the hospital because you would both have heart attacks. Or you would go, all right, who are you and what have you done with my son? Who are you and where have you put my children? That's what God wants. We, you know, the Pharisees, they're like the elder brother. They heaped so much junk, spiritual, or not spiritual, religious junk on the people that it was impossible to understand what God wanted. And I believe when Christ came, he came with that simple message. If you'll trust my Father and show gratitude, you can ask anything you want and you'll receive it. Trusting God. Trust God. Let me ask you a question. Which of these makes more sense? To trust 
an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God that loves you more than life itself? Or do I trust the words of a pathological, cowardly, self-centered liar like Satan? Let's see, who should I trust? Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, everywhere, knows everything, all-powerful, and he loves me. Man, that's a stretch. I don't know if I can trust somebody like that. Or someone like me, a cowardly, pathological, idiot liar. Adam and Eve decided to trust Satan. They lost their home. They lost their children. They lost their future. They lost relationship. They lost everything because they trusted a liar instead of Almighty God. It's, I mean, it's that simple. Trust God. Now, how do I trust God? Well, I get to know him. How do I get to know him? I read his love letter to me. I get in the book. So again, don't read the Bible out of some kind of religious duty. Read it searching to see what it is God wants to tell you that day. God, what do you want me to trust you for today? What, would, you know, what do you want to tell me? And you begin to see what he says. It'll get you in the word. Trust will get you in the word. And then when you discover what it is that he wants you to, to do, or what he wants you to trust him for, your heart will just begin to overwhelm in thanksgiving. Oh, God, that's awesome. Thank you. Oops, there you prayed. Oh, no. I begin to understand now what Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. Because life then becomes a continual, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God for this nice carpet. Thank you, God, for these nice pews. Thank you, God. Is there anything that you have that God did not in some way get to you other than your stubborn, goofy nature? I think you worked on that yourself. But, but everything, everything, and I, this became so amazing to me. I'm thinking, that's it. God, I trust you. And, and he pours his blessings into my life. He trusts, he, you know, the more I give God, the more he gives me. Because I've proven that he, I trust him and then he can trust me. I discovered that growing up as a teenager. If, I, if my parents could trust me, I could do anything and go anywhere. Because I knew I refused to violate that trust. Trust is freedom. Courage is fueled by the discipline of trust and thanksgiving, trust and gratefulness. Young people, teenagers, if you'll get a hold of this and use this on your parents, you'll have a car, you'll have money, you'll have freedom. Because if you try it the other way, you'll have a scooter, your allowance will be a dollar a week, and you'll be locked in your room six nights a week. Those are the options. You pick. Because the devil will tell you to, you know, he'll give you another plan to use, and it doesn't work. 
Remember, he's a pathological liar. Don't trust him. Don't trust him. Courage is fueled by discipline. The final thing. Courage is empowered by relationship. It's all about relationship. This morning I want you to understand. Dad's waiting. Dad's waiting. The Heavenly Father is waiting. He's waiting for that final soul to stop trusting Satan and trusting him. He's waiting for that final prodigal to make his way home. He wants the family complete. He wants to give everybody an opportunity. God's not going to force anybody. God doesn't go out and and adopt people that don't want to be adopted. He is there waiting. And he's looking down the road. And the minute you take that step, the minute you make a move to come home, God runs to embrace you. Rembrandt's picture, which is actually in the book, is an amazing picture because it shows the father leaning over and, just, and, having, and placing his hands on the back of the younger son that has just come home. Now think about this and remember this. This son had the courage to come and seek forgiveness. He had the courage to now accept the discipline of his father. He was willing to become just a household servant. He didn't consider himself worthy to ever be a son again. When he left that pig pen, he didn't stop by you know, a Michigan Avenue store to get a new suit. He went home just the way he was. I'm sure he had sold all of his good clothes to be able to pay down to his final penny. He was left with just a rag of a, of a, of a garment. His shoes had probably been worn out from searching for food and looking for work, and his sandals were probably a disaster. His hair was unkempt. He stunk to high heaven. He'd been living with pigs. And he came to his senses, and he decided to go home just like he was. There's too many people that get this idea, well, you know, I'll come to God when I'm good and ready and I get cleaned up and I clean up my life. Forget it. You'll never do it. There's no discipline in the unsaved. They don't don't understand the idea of trust and gratitude is a foreign concept. Uh, Last night I, I thought of this. It's an amazing statement. Religious people are faithful, but they are not courageous. Let me say that again. Religious people are faithful, but they are not courageous. They don't trust God, and they're very seldom grateful. This young son came home smelling like just awful, looked awful. And the father saw him. And it says that he ran to him. Stand up, Rob. It says that he ran to him. 
hugged him, smell and all, kissed him. And then he, and then he said, get, get a new robe. Find me a robe. A sign of honor. Bring me a ring. A sign of inheritance. And new shoes. The sign of prosperity. Do you realize most of the world doesn't wear shoes? Can't afford them. And we have enough shoes to probably shod the world. But he, he ran to him. And he grabbed him. You know, he didn't run to him and go, uh, whoa, never mind. <laughs> Good to have you back, son. God bless you. you know. The religious would have done that. This son, the, can you imagine the courage that it took for this young man to do this? Because he had no idea how the father would react. He didn't know if the father would be looking for him. He didn't know if the father was, you know, was going to send people out to find him and have him severely beaten. Jewish law would have said that they could have stoned him. He was a rebellious son. Because this son came to the father and said, Dad, I wish, in, in reality, I wish you were dead. But since you're not, just give me my one-third of the inheritance. He was allowed one-third, if I remember correct. Right, Pastor Joe? The elder son was going to get two-thirds. The younger son would get one-third. So the father had to liquidate one-third of all of his assets and hand this money to this son. And then he said, Goodbye. See ya. The son no longer trusted the leadership of his dad and was ungrateful for what he had. Took that inheritance, went out and wasted it. And now is coming back to the father. The father could have acted one of two ways. The way that he did was to run and hug him and kiss his son and, and welcome him back. But the other option could have been, is that my younger son? Servants, I want you to go out there, beat him to within an inch of his life, tell him to turn around and never, ever come back here again. You see, judgment is a dangerous, dangerous way to live. Because how you judge someone else, it's going to come back to you. Right? And I thank God for this amazing parable because Jesus paints this amazing picture of the power of relationship. Today, Dad's waiting. He's waiting. He wants to empower us with his relationship. He wants to fuel our lives with discipline, trust, and gratefulness. That's what he wants. And he wants to help us to understand that courage is born out of forgiveness. Do you know what kind of people are going to heaven? Forgiven, trusting, grateful people. The ones that have the courage to live this world, in this world, that way. I close with this story. Nineteen seventy four. Walking home from school the last day before Christmas vacation, I excitedly thought about the upcoming holiday as only 10-year-old boys can dream. 
A few doors from my home in Coral Gables, Florida, a man came up to me and asked if I would help him with decorations for a party he was hosting for my father. Thinking he was a friend of my dad's, I agreed to go with him. What I didn't know was that this man held a grudge against my family. He had been employed as a nurse for an elderly relative, but he had been fired because of drinking. After I agreed to accompany him, he drove his motor home to an isolated area north of Miami where he stopped by the side of the road, stabbed me in the chest several times with an ice pick. He then drove west to the Florida Everglades, walked me out among the bushes, shot me and left me to die. Fortunately, the bullet passed behind my eyes and exited my right temple without causing any brain damage. When I regained consciousness six days later, I was unaware that I had been shot. I sat by the side of the road and was found by a man who stopped to help me. Two weeks later, I described the person who had assaulted me to a police artist, and my uncle recognized the resulting portrait as the man who attacked me. My assailant was brought in along with other suspects. However, the trauma and stress took its toll, and I couldn't identify him. Unfortunately, the police could not obtain any physical evidence to link him to the crime, so he was never charged. The assault left me blind in my left eye, but otherwise uninjured. With love and support of my family and friends, I went back to school and resumed my life. For the next three years, I lived with tremendous anxiety. Most nights, I woke up frightened, imagining I heard someone coming in the back door, and I'd wind up sleeping at the foot of my parents' bed. Then, when I was 13, all that changed. One night, during a Bible study with my church youth group, I realized that God's providence and love, having miraculously kept me alive, were the basis for my life's security. In his hands, I could live without fear or anger. Courage. And so I did. I finished school, earned a bachelor's degree and a master in divinity, married my wonderful wife, Leslie. And we have two beautiful toddlers, Amanda and Melody. September of 1996, Major Charles Scherer of the Coral Gables Police Department, who had worked on the original investigation of my case, called to tell me that the 77-year-old assailant had finally confessed. Blind from glaucoma, in poor health, without family or friends, he was in a North Miami Beach nursing home. I visited him there. The first time I went to see him, he apologized for what he had done to me, and I told him that I had forgiven him. I visited him many times after that, introducing him to my wife and girls, offering him hope and some semblance of family in the days before his death. He was always glad when I came by. I believe that our friendship eased the loneliness and was a great relief to him after 22 years of regrets. I know the world might view me as a victim of a horrible tragedy, but I consider myself the victim of many miracles. The fact that I'm alive and have no mental deficiencies defies the odds. I've got a loving wife and a beautiful family. I've been given as much promise as anybody else and ample opportunities. I've been blessed in a lot of ways. While many people can't understand how I could forgive him, from my point of view, I could not not forgive him. If I'd chosen to hate him all these years or spent my life looking for revenge, then I wouldn't be the man I am today, the man my wife and children love. Courage. Courage to forgive someone that would do something that horrendous. Courage. This young boy, at the age of 13, came to realize that he could trust God. He could be grateful to God for what God had given him and allowed him to overcome 
And because of that, he was able to reach out to his assailant. That's unbelievable. That's courage. There's a little chorus that I just want to sing. And while I sing this chorus, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're here today, well, you obviously are here today. I don't even know why we start that. That's a ridiculous thing to say. But anyway, (laughs) since you are here today, if it's time for you to rise up in your life, if it's time for the Holy Spirit to empower and fuse you with some new courage, if it's time for you to say, Father, I want to renew my trust in you. Father, forgive me for being ungrateful too many times. If it's time for you to pray that prayer, I just want you to stand. We're going to sing the chorus. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. Pastor Darrell's coming to close the service. It's just a little chorus. If that's you, feel free to stand. And now I thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Heavenly Father, today... You have just so, again, revealed to me that I need to trust you more. God, I need to thank you more. For, Father, as I do that, forgiveness will birth courage into my life. Father, you will fuel the discipline in my life that I need, and God, you will... You will empower me with our relationship with one another. And God, I thank you for that. Lord, I ask your divine Holy Ghost blessing on my brothers and sisters. Father, as we walk out of this place today, may we trust you with our life, with our time, with our money, with our talents with our energy. God, help us to trust you with everything that we are. And Father, help us to be grateful every second of every day, for we have so much to be grateful for. Father, I thank you for the relationships that I enjoy in this great church. Bless my brothers and sisters. Father, help us to invite many to the events that are coming to Christian life. Help us, God, to just reach out and let this become a Christmas like we have never, ever experienced before. Because we, have, we understand what it means to be strong and courageous. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we say thank you to Pastor Fred for such a powerful word this morning? So, uh, really, I mean, so rich on so many levels. I, I took so many notes last night and even this morning, and, and just the, the nuggets of truth in there. And 
again, it's all about relationship. And so whether it be during worship today, as Pastor Jonathan shared, or as Pastor Fred shared through his word this morning, if you are beginning a new relationship with Jesus or want that new relationship with Jesus, I want you to come up and just grab one of our packets up here. It's got a Bible in it, just some information for you. And again, we want you to grow in your relationship with God this Christmas season more than ever before in your life. We want to draw near to the Lord. And um, again, just those events, if you could take these flyers that are in the lobby, don't leave flyers in the lobby. Take as many as you can and invite as many people as you can so that they can come into relationship with Jesus as well. And uh, again, go in the grace and the peace of the Lord this morning. Would you receive the blessing of the Lord? May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon us as your children who love you and follow you. God, I thank you for the message today of courage in relationship. May we walk in that relationship. May these weeks to come before the end of this year at Christmas time, God, that we would draw closer to you than we've ever been before. May your spirit be alive in us, and, and God, uh, may you do great things in our lives and in as many lives as possible, God, this Christmas season. Lord, we love you. We just thank you, Lord, today. And uh, God, I pray that you keep us safe and strong until we can gather together again as a church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning. You can sign up for the community group picnics in the lobby. You can take the flyers in the lobby. And if you need special prayer, I'll be down here in just a moment to pray with you. But God bless you this morning. Grow and go in the grace and the peace of the Lord.